is anybody fired up to be in church today? Anybody? Come on. Listen, today, as we jump into week number two of this series, nine to five, I just want to tell you guys, this is kind of segueing into where we're going, but I want to tell you that I absolutely love United Kids. Anybody just appreciate United Kids up in here? Yes. If you serve in United Kids, will you just throw your hand up right where you sit? Because we just want to honor you in this place. Come on, guys. Can we just give it up for them? Yes, I absolutely love United Kids today over there um, to, to my right and your left. They're actually learning this truth that I can choose what I think about. They're, they're learning from Romans chapter 12 that we can be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And how many of you wish that you would have had some of these biblical truths when you were growing up? Anybody wish you would have had some of this foundation? Come on, that we would have been different, that things could have looked a little bit different. But man, thanks be to God that we have some people Come on, let me just tell you this. They don't just change diapers in United Kids. They are teaching Jesus on the level of our kids from, from six, literally from six weeks. Is it six weeks, I believe, to, to fifth grade? Six, six weeks. I'm saying this right. I, I should know this. Yes, I'm, I'm getting some agreement from, wow, that was like one of those moments where you're just like, every thought just leaves your head. But six weeks to fifth grade where... Man, they are showing them the love of God. And so, man, today um, I celebrate all of that. But the other day, uh, Jace, my son, came home from United Kids and, and he was trying to teach me um, something that he learned in United Kids. And it was a song. And I, I really had no clue what he was saying because when you have a three-year-old, I talk about my son a lot, I know, I get it. But it's like literally when you have a three-year-old, when you have a toddler, it's like a walking illustration. You know what I'm saying? Like you just, you just like, you live for it. It becomes part of your, your sermons week in and week out. But, but he was trying to teach me what he learned at United Kids. And one of the things I love so much about United Kids is they learn Jesus on their level. They learn truths that are foundational to their life, but they also have fun. Because here, here's what I know about church. I learned some foundational truths when I was younger, but can I tell you that fun did not describe my experience when I went to church. Anybody grow up in that church? Yeah. And so we want it to be a balanced thing. We want them to learn in a fun, safe, and, and life-giving environment. We want them to learn Jesus on their level. And so he began to teach me this song. And, and the only song I learned that I can actually remember when I was in kids' ministry growing up was the song, Father Abraham. Anybody remember that song? Father, if you, listen, you're in counseling just like me. I get it. You know what I mean? We're trying to, but I remember singing this. Father Abraham had many sons and many sons had Father Abraham. And then they got to the weird part. It said, and I am one of them. And so are you. And I'm like, no, no, no. I had questions at that point because my father's name is Terry, not Abraham. You know what I mean? And so I went home like, mom, it said, this song said I was Abraham's father. Do you have something to tell me in this small? Anyways, I didn't do that, but that would have been really awkward. But, but I remember these things, but my son comes home and he starts telling me about this, this song. And it was, and it had something to do with a, a bear and grass and mud and a cave. And I had no clue what he was trying to tell me. And so I wanted to show you the song. Can I play the song for you that he learned? It's just like 40 seconds. If you don't like it, it's only 40 seconds. Let's play it for him. Come on, anybody know this song? I'm not scared. This is where you got to get into it with him. You got to go. You got to look amazed. What kind of grass? Long wavy grass. Come on. You got a three-year-old. You got to get into this. I think they get the point. I think they get the point. I get the, they get the point. 
And so he comes home, he's telling me about this bear hunt that, that, we, that he went on in, in United Kids. And he starts talking about the grass and the mud. You can't go over, you can't go under, you gotta go through it, the cave. And then he gets to this and he's like, the bear, a real bear. And he starts running around, he's like freaking out. And I'm like, Jace, it's okay, there's no bears in, in United Kids. At least there shouldn't be, I don't know. But anyways, he was telling me this, this story. And so the next night we, we decided that in our house, we were gonna go on a bear hunt. And so we turned off every light in our house. It was amazing. And, and, and Sherry, my wife, began to hide his, his little bear. His name is Smokey. And we began to hide Smokey around the house. And, and, and we would walk and, and Jace had this flashlight and we would walk from room to room to room. And, and, and every time he would try to shine his light, it was literally like up in the crevices and in the corner of, uh, I'm like, I know she's tall, but she's not that tall, buddy. You know what I'm saying? Look down a little bit further. And he would turn around and every single time it was like he would whip the flashlight into my, yeah, just like that. Some of y'all was like, spare me, right? But it would be in my eyes and I couldn't figure out like what in the world. We were just trying to look for this bear the entire time. And as, as we were on this bear hunt, I started to realize that, that the way that his focus and attention was shifting from place to place to place, that the light was going everywhere. I started to, to think about this, that, that isn't that so similar to our lives? Now, now go with me for a second, because I know that, that most of us aren't on a bear hunt. I, I get it. But if the flashlight of the bear hunt is our attention and our focus, doesn't it seem like so many times that we position our light or position our focus in the wrong place? If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this will be foundational and pivotal to what we're talking about today. That one thing that I want us to all wrap our minds around is that if our focus is in the wrong place, we see the wrong thing. And to find our purpose, if, if we are going to continue to walk this thing out and to find our purpose in our everyday lives, we have to make sure that our focus is on the right things. And if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Isaiah chapter 43. We'll be there in just a moment. I wanna give you a second, give you a head start to, to go there. If you don't, it'll be on the screen in a few moments. But, but one of the things I want us to understand is that today is, is that what we're gonna talk about is, is not something that you just check off. That, that what we're gonna talk about this morning is not something that you just kind of, you kind of put aside after you have finished it one time. This is something that, that kind of comes back, it's reoccurring in our life. It's something that can shift and move on us. And, and so we have to make a decision day in and day out. And so today when we leave, when we leave here this, this morning, my desire is that we would know exactly where our focus should and should not be. That we, should, we would know where our attention, that where our light should and should not be. Because more often than not, we, the reason that our focus is on the wrong thing is because we forget exactly what Jesus has done for us in our lives. Can we just agree on that? That sometimes that we, we forget like where our focus and attention should be because, because well, for some of us in the room last week, that there was 34 people who began a relationship with Jesus Christ. What an amazing thing that 34 people began a relationship with Jesus. And, and it's amazing to, to know that you, are, that you are fully known, that you are deeply loved, that you are highly valued, like we talked about last week. It's, it's amazing. And when you're only one week from that, man, you can, really, you can really rest in that. But when there's time and distance between the, the moment when you gave your life to Jesus, like maybe for some of us in the room, sometimes we can forget, right? We can forget everything that God has done 
in our lives. And so this morning, what I wanted to do is I just wanted to serve as a guidepost. I wanted to serve as a reminder for everything that God has done, because if we're going to be on this search of finding our purpose, this is something that we cannot forget. So Isaiah chapter 43, verse number one, it says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. The prophet Isaiah, he begins, I love it how he begins. He says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel. And if you remember last week, I talked about two pivotal moments in your life when you find out who created you and then also when you figure out why you were created. So last week we talked about that first one a lot. Today we're going to begin journeying into that second one. But, but check out what it says in the second part of verse number one. It says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by my name. You are mine. Man, I love this. I love, he says, fear not for I have redeemed you. I have called you, I have called you by name. You are mine. There's something that happens when someone calls you by your name, someone that you didn't expect to know your name, but they know your name and they call it. There's something that, that comes alive in your life. And I want to tell you this, this morning that, that God knows you. And we talked about that a lot last week, but I want you to understand he knows you by name. But there's one word that you have to understand if, if we're going to understand the, the, the significance of, of verse number one. It's the word redeemed. The definition of the word redeemed is to buy or pay off, to clear by payment or to buy back. If you remember last week, I, I said that, that your value is determined by not what you think it is, but by the price that someone is willing to pay for you. And, and I just want to remind all of us this morning that Jesus paid it all for you. And when I talk about this, I talk about redeeming in this, in this sense of buying back, I'm talking about this idea that God saved you from something. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this will be pivotal. We can't forget this, is that God saved you from something. And because this is true, because God saved you from something, your focus and your light cannot be on your past. Because God saved you from something, you, you have to know this, that, that your, your light, that in the, the searching of our life, that our light cannot be on our past. That so often in our, in our wonderings of life, it doesn't it seem like our light gets so focused on our past, gets so focused on our history, it gets so focused on where we've been. And church, I just want to assure you this morning is that you will never find your purpose for what God has for you in your future while you're focused on your past. Can we agree? Does that seem pretty simple, but it's foundational and it's true. Is that you're not going to find your, your purpose and what God has in front of you. But this is so often where you and I live because here's why, is we forget what Jesus has done for us. That so often we, we, we get our flashlight uh, in, in life and we get stuck in this place because all we can think about is our past, that we're trying to live in the present. We're actually even trying to look towards the future, but all we can think about is our past, that for some of us, that all we can set our minds on and keep our minds on is, is the divorce that we went through 10 years ago. And, and we're like, every morning we wake up and we're like, God, would you forgive me of that? God, would you, would you make me new? God, I'm so sorry. And, and the whole time God is saying, and listen, I've saved you from that. 
that, that so many of us that, that in our lives that it's not, maybe for you, it's, it's, it's not a, a divorce, but maybe for you, it was a moment that you had 20 years of, of faithfulness and you had 20 minutes of, of unfaithfulness and all you can think about is your past. All you can do, you can't move forward because all you can think about is, is what happened back then. For, for some of you, it was an addiction that has stolen so many of your years. And can I tell you that God saved you from that addiction, that you're no longer in that addiction. And so can I challenge you and encourage you to not let what was in the past rob any more of your future? Can I encourage you in that today? That God saved you from that, that you no longer have to struggle with that. God saved you from that. Maybe for you, it was a dishonorable moment that you can't get out of your mind. Maybe, maybe for you, it was something you said to your mom or your dad and, and you can't get past that moment. For some of us in the room, that was something that happened when we were 16 or 17 years old. For some of us, we're 30 years old or 40 years old or 50 years old, but yet we can't quite get past. And God is saying, hey, I saved you from that. You don't have to dwell on that anymore. I wiped it clean. Listen, you don't have to go back to those moments anymore. This is something I saved you from. And we miss out on our purpose, on everything that God wants to do in our life because we're so fixated on what happened in our past. I love what Paul says in Romans chapter five, verse eight, he said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, and the tragedy of all of this is that you and I continue to live in the prison that God already freed us from. That the gates are open, but yet we still stay in our prison cell. He says, that you are redeemed. He says that I bought you back, that I paid the price, I made you new. And for some of us, I wanna help free you up from this today because this is something that God's already saved you from, that he saved you from your sin, from your insecurities, from all of those things. And it's not that God doesn't remember, it's not that he can't remember, it's that he chooses not to. That's an amazing truth. Check out verse number two. Isaiah says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flames shall not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Because you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I give men in return for you, peoples in exchange for your life. Fear not, for I am with you. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west, and I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up, and to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Church, God not only saved you from something, he saved you into something. When I read this writing of the prophet Isaiah, I see that he saved you into his provision. He saved you into his presence. He saved you into his love. He saved you into his value. He saved you into his grace. And even as I mentioned last week, we talked about that you were fully known, that you were deeply loved, that you were highly valued. And even with the reality of all of this, that your focus was not meant to be on yourself. You see, sometimes we can get past our past, but, but sometimes what happens is, is the flashlight of life, the attention, the focus of our life. It, it kind of gets past our past and we can move it on, but it gets stuck on ourselves. And, 
And I, I don't want to take away from the fact that I told you all of that stuff last week, that you are, that all of those things that God says about you, that you're amazing, that he loves you, that he cares for you. But, but here's what I want us to understand. And maybe you could relate to this in your life, that the me first feeling of life, you ever feel this, that me first is just miserable. You ever been there? Yeah, you ever just felt like, man, this is like, I, I, I've, I'm tired of all of this being about, my, I'm tired of my, my perspective and my perception being all about myself. And in a world where, and, and you can't blame the world because everything, every commercial, come on, every piece of marketing material is based around the idea that it's all about you. And, and can I just remind all of us this morning that, that it's not about me, it's not about you, it's not about us, and maybe you have a tough time believing that this world really is all about us. I, I want to show you this piece of marketing material that is real life. This is actually a, a, an article. Check this out. I love this. Company sells $80 used tissues so people can choose when to get sick. Oh, you, you got a big interview coming up? You got, a big, you got a big review coming up? It's like, take a little sniff of the, the tissue. You know what I'm saying? You want to make sure. This is real. Hey, guys, I'm not making this up. We didn't Photoshop this in. This is real life. Listen, church, I want you to understand that me first is an epidemic. Can we agree on this? Or am I just making this up? Me first is an epidemic in this, this world. And so often what happens, even as believers, that, that we begin to, to, to buy into this fact that, man, God loves me and he does love me, that God values me and he does value me, but he doesn't value us and love us for us to get the attention on ourselves. You see, the, the paradox or the irony, and some would even say the absurdity, is the fact that in order to find your purpose, you have to get your eyes off yourself. You have to get your eyes off yourself, and in order to figure that out, you got to get your focus onto something greater than yourself, and that's Jesus. Because he not only saved you from something, he not only saved you into something, but God saved you for something. Verse number seven of Isaiah 43 says, everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. I love how possessive God is in this passage. I love how God begins to tell us, he says, everyone who is called by my, whom I created for my glory, who I'm formed and made. I, I feel like it takes the weight off of me because God wants to get the glory through my life more than I want to get the glory through my life. I love Paul echoes the words of, of the prophet Isaiah in Colossians 1, 16. He says, for in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, for his glory and for his purpose. And because all of this is true, that your focus must shift from all of these things and your focus must be on Jesus. And you're like, that seems so basic. Like, that's what I thought. I, I showed up to church and, and that's what I, I, I could have predicted this message. But, but how come when some things are simple, they're not always easy to live out? Have you ever noticed that? That in this world where our, our, our focus and our attention is on a million different things, that we can lose sight of the main thing that we can actually lose the, the, the place of where our attention should be, and that's on Jesus. And if you're gonna find your purpose, your focus must be on Jesus. How many of y'all like the show Shark Tank? Does anybody like the show Shark Tank? I, li I like the show Shark Tank. And it's a pretty cool show because one, one of my favorite things about the, the show Shark Tank is, 
is you have all of these entrepreneurs that, that walk onto this show and they have all of these dreams and aspirations inside of them. You can almost hear the desperation in their voice. And I think I, I relate so well to, to entrepreneurs because I feel like planting a church is the closest thing God would let me do to starting a business. He wouldn't let me out of it. I had to plant it, I had to start it. That was supposed to be funny. Anyways, <laughs> I tell church planters this all the time. I said, listen, if you feel called to start a church, if you could do anything else, just do that. But if you can't, if God won't let you, start the church. Anyways, that's beside the point. Let me just stay there for a second because you may think that I, I regret this or something. I want you to understand because when it gets hard, when it gets tough, when it seems like nobody cares, you better have a calling to come back to. You better not have just started this thing because you, oh, let's just roll the dice and see what happens. Like, no, no, you better have a calling to come back to. So back to Shark Tank. Anyways, I, I love this because you're sitting there listening to these entrepreneurs who just everything is at stake. These are the people. Like you can tell the difference between the hirelings and the people that really have a lot at stake. The people that, that have been sent out there to pitch this thing and the people that have taken out a second mortgage on their house. The people that have sold their kidneys. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? The people that have donated plasma every single week for who knows how long. The people that have cashed in their 401k, they're all in. And you can just hear the desperation in their voice. You, you can hear that this, some of them just get emotional. And sometimes when they get emotional, I, I just want like, I'm on my couch and I just want to crawl under my couch for them because it's so awkward. I want to be like, just go get yourself together and come back out and pitch this thing again. Like you just want to, you just want to like pick them up by the bootstraps and, and help them. But you just know, and you, you see how much this, this thing means to them. It's their creation. Everything's on the line. As I was thinking about Shark Tank this week, I, I started to think about this truth and this fact is if this is true for them, the creator of a product, the creator of a good, the creator of a app or something that seems so inconsequential in the, the scheme of all of eternity. Imagine how the creator God feels about you. You are his greatest creation. It says in scripture that you are, his, you are his masterpiece, that you are his workmanship. And if this creator of whatever this product, good or service would be is emotional and, and feeling passionate about what they're talking about, imagine how the, the God of the universe, the creator of it all, the one who put and placed the purpose inside of you. Imagine how he feels. Look, you don't have to stand in front of a panel of judges hoping to find out what your purpose is. Come on, he has already approved you. He has already placed the purpose inside of you. Come on, he's already placed everything that you'll ever need to fulfill the dreams that he's given you. He's already placed it inside of you, that you are his greatest creation, that he put it all on the line for you. It says in verse number one of Isaiah 43 that he redeemed you, that, that he went to the cross to buy you back, that he saved you from something. How many of you know that you are saved from something? 
that thanks be to God that you were headed this way, but Jesus stepped in and he changed your life. I just got to think about this sometimes, church. I just got to think about this. If it wasn't for Jesus, where would I be right now, today? Where would I be standing? I don't know, but I'm sure as heck it would not be here. God has saved us from something that is so far greater than anything you could have ever imagined. I think of this, there's a big word that I think about. It's the word provenient grace. It's the grace that goes before you. You don't even know where you would be, but thanks be to God, he was already in front of you, directing and guiding your steps. That's how much he loves you. You were headed towards disaster, but God stepped in. You were headed towards divorce, but God stepped in. You were headed towards back into your addiction, but God stepped in. Provenient grace, provenient grace. He's stepping in. He's guarding you. He's protecting you. He loves you. He's going after you. He saved you from something. We tracking? He saved you into something. Into his love, into his mercy, into his glorious grace. He saved you into all of that. But I want you to understand today that he saved you not just from, not just into, but he saved you for something. And he's saying, you, you want to know your purpose? You, you want to know your purpose? Because can I tell you that for some of you in the room that your career may not be your purpose and that's okay. That your nine to five may not be why God placed you on this earth. It may be because of your five to nine. Let me, let me put that in perspective. Not your 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., but some of you, what you do from 5 p.m. to 9 a.m. the next morning, maybe what you did from, do from 9 to 5 actually pays for what you do for what's your purpose. Am I making sense? Is this making sense? If not, just play it back later on, on Tuesday. It'll ma maybe make sense then. But there's some of you in the room that, that you're like, man, my, I don't, I don't, my nine to five, I'm not really down for that. I don't really love that. But, but what happens after that, man, I come alive that when I get to work with students at tribes, man, I just come alive when I get to, to go to my, my group. I, I come alive when I get to show up on Sunday mornings and serve. I come alive when I get to work at the crisis practice. I, I come alive. There's just things that, that my nine to five pay me to do and from five to nine and I'm coming alive and Jesus is saying, if you want to find your purpose, come on, don't be distracted by your past because I already saved you from that. Don't be distracted by yourself. We're, we're, we're too little. We can't, we, we need something bigger than ourselves to be obsessed with. Jesus is saying, I'm it. Seek me. Come after me. Come after me and, and I will show you what your purpose is. And we can continue to live and try to scratch the surface on our, our purpose and speculate at what that may be. And we can continue to watch a show or listen to a podcast or read some self-help books. We can speculate, we can live on speculation or we can do something altogether better. We can go after God's revelation. Come on, can I tell you that God will reveal things to you? And I'm not talking about the book of Revelation because you might get freaked out there. But God will reveal some things to you if you go after him. Paul says it so well, and this is the message paraphrase, Ephesians chapter one, verse 11. He says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, 
He had his eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, he's working out in everything and everyone. Paul tells us, he says, you wanna find your purpose? He says, it's in Christ, it's in Christ. And we could take the flashlight of life and we could search the, the darkest corners. We, we could keep looking in all the places of life. Or we can bring it back to where it was designed to be begin with. On the person, our Savior, Jesus. He says it's in Christ. He said, long before you even heard of Christ, he had his eyes on you. That's so good. That he was thinking about me before I was thinking about him. He says, it's part of the overall purpose that he's working out in everything and everyone. Church, he wants desperately to reveal his purpose to you. But we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. This morning, for distraction's sake, I just ask if you would bow your head and close your eyes right where you sit. Maybe you've been so focused on your past that you haven't been able to see your purpose. And today you recognize that and you want to fix your focus. You're saying today, you know what? My attention is not going to be on my past any longer. I'm fixing it on Jesus because he saved me from that. If that's you today, right where you sit, this is not a call to salvation. This is literally saying I'm, I'm saved, but I've been focusing so much on my past that I can't even, I, there's not a chance I'm gonna see my purpose for the future. If that's you, will you just throw your hand up right where you sit, raise it up high, nobody's looking around, that your past is just rocking you. So good. You can put it down. For those of you who just raised your hand, I want you to hear me say this. That Romans chapter eight, verse one says, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That you don't have to live under that dark, low-lying cloud anymore of condemnation. That Jesus has forgiven you from it and he wants you to walk free today. Maybe today you've been so focused on yourself and it, Maybe it wasn't intentionally, it's just by nature of how life has happened. Maybe you went through a season where you focused on so many other people, you got burnt. So you turned it all back to yourself and said, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna focus on me, number one. I'm gonna take care of myself. And today you're saying, I wanna fix my focus. I wanna get it off myself and onto Jesus. If that's you in here this morning, will you just throw your hand up and say, that's me. I've been so focused on myself, I can't see past myself to, to see my purpose. That's amazing. You can put them down. Just For those of you who just raise your hand, just have a moment with God right there. Just say, God, today I'm fixing my focus. I want to look at you. I want to put my attention on you. Maybe today you want to take a stand and say, I'm going to fix my focus on Jesus and it starts today. The one who placed my purpose inside of me and I'm gonna pursue him like never before. Today it begins. If he's the one who's faithful 
to reveal my purpose to me, then I'm going to go after him like never before. I'm going to get into the word of God. I'm going to stop by next steps and grab a, a Bible on the way out. I, I'm going to, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to wake up a little bit early. I'm going to pray. I'm going to seek him. I'm going to get after him. When groups semester launches here in a few weeks, I'm going to jump into a group this year. 2019 is going to be different because I'm intently going after him. If that's you today, would you just throw your hand up? Say, I'm going to fix my focus. I'm going after Jesus like never before. Will you throw your hand up right where you, nobody's looking around. Come on. My hand is raised. We are going after Jesus so good. So right where you sit, I just want you to say today, I'm renewing all of my energies and focus towards you, God, because I want to pursue you. I believe you've got more to show me, more to reveal to me. We'll pray for you before we go. Jesus, thank you so much. God, thank you that you love us. Thank you that you know us. Thank you that you saved us from something into something and for something. And God, I pray that you would continue to be faithful to show us the purpose that you've placed inside of us. Father, we love you. We're grateful for moments like this where we can reflect on the fact that you redeemed us, that you bought us back, that you paid the price. And God, thank you for the promise that, that we are your greatest creation. I pray that we would smile a little bit more today. God, that we would sleep a little bit better tonight knowing that we're your workmanship, that we are your masterpiece. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.